You are listening to The Social Hotelier Show, a podcast that inspires hoteliers to create meaningful and memorable experiences. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Social Hotelier Podcast with me, Sam Eric Rook. We share our views and we have a great show today. To it is touching the nerve of hospitality and, and the challenges of 2024. Host, the topic of today Sam is Eric breaking ground in employee well-being. We will discuss innovative strategies and solutions for your hospitality business. We are living in a very uncertain time, and there are people who are worrying about the climate, there are people who are worrying about the wars in, in, in Ukraine, there are people who are worrying about uh, just about everything, and you can see in their face that things are not all right. So that's why I thought this, if nothing else, this is maybe the, perhaps the most important episode that we are having this year to give comfort that how companies can be more caring and more successful of their uh, employee well-being. Hotels are very unique in that sense, or like any of the service industries, that you can see the well-being of that hotel and the company from the faces of the employees. And then when things are all right, you really feel the vibe and then sort of a kind of effervescent feeling when you walk into a hotel. On the contrary, if things are not the way, then almost the employee will be avoiding, avoiding the eye contact and things are not going to and you feel that you are not important to them, so even though you are important. So I think we're going to talk about very important issues today, and I'm uh, very happy to, uh, to introduce my guest today, who is uh, Susanna Sjöberg. Uh, she's a registered mental health professional, expert and registered counselor with background in business. Her area of expertise, among others, are workplace mental wellness, psychological safety and health. Uh, she's an international known mental well- wellness expert. So we are hoping to uh, unleash some issues and, and touch on some topics with the help of Susanna. And Susanna is based in Geneva, Switzerland, with her company Innerwork CH and work globally. So uh, welcome, Susanna, and thanks for joining this show today. Thank you, Samarik. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's get started. First of thing, I think the audience are interested to learn a little bit about your background and and how you founded the inner work CH? Because I read at, from your profile that you are you have worked for some large organizations, but now you work uh, also independently through your uh, consultancy. Yes, <clears throat> I've had a lifelong passion for workplace well-being. It started with my first job when I realized coming up fresh out of business school, and I realized what the discrepancy was between what I've learned in management classes and what the actual practices were. So it was a little, it was a little bit of a shocker, and and that's how I started learning more about workplace well-being um, as a, almost as a hobby at the beginning. And then I I I've had a chance to live uh, in multiple places and and work in different different types of positions, and uh, uh, it just led you know one thing led to another. I, I worked for the International Labour Organization before founding Inner Work, and then I was able to see these um, these practices around the globe. So it, it was a natural continuation of of what I've always done, and uh, and I absolutely love this type of work, and it's really 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 important. Very good. Yeah, the, it's more than ever uh, mental well-being for employees in the current situation. I, mean, it, I think it has been for a very long time, but even more now, it is uh, such a topic that it kind of pops up all the time. Uh, 
And even now with the presidential elections here in Finland, uh, even the, the presidential candidates talks about the concern about the young people and their the, the mental well-being, their what their worries are. So this is all reflection of uh, what you are actually doing to uh, support uh, companies and organizations to help their own employees. So I, I think it is uh, some uh, very great work that you're doing. And uh, and uh, so uh, I hear this, this every day and I read in the news every day. So I think you, are, you must be very busy with your consultancy that must be lots of demand for you. There is demand, effectively. Um, however, the, it's an interesting point that a lot of people talk about this. Politicians talk about it. The uh, ILO talks about it. The WHO talks about it. It's in the news. Um, you can open any journal almost any day and, and it's being discussed. However, in actual practice, uh, many companies are rather, um, how would I put it? Um, they don't really know what to do and how to go about this. It's, it's a huge topic and mental health is one of those areas which is tricky because it can mean so many things for so many people. And in many parts of the world, you know, when you mention mental health, it's, a, it's, it's still a taboo, carries a huge stigma. Mm, stigma. Mm-hmm. And even in the hospitality industry, which is a people industry, uh, people don't really talk about their mental health issues. So let's first define mental health. You know, mental health operates on a spectrum. And, and we are not talking about mental illness here. We're just talking about mental health as it would be physical health. In, if you exercise, if you take care of yourself, you tend to be in, in better shape. And if you take care of your mental health, your, your emotional well-being, then you tend to be in a good, better emotional state. So it, it can range from really being in crisis and, and, and having a, an actual mental illness, being in crisis, to, to being coping, being okay, and then going into, into moments of flow and thrive and those wonderful, wonderful, wonderful moments that we all have in life, but they tend to be very short-lived. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you mentioned that the, the mental health issues are rising uh, and it's a global challenge and the World Health Organization has recognized that uh, depression and anxiety cost uh, the global economy, I mean, the productive cost. And it is, uh, they see that how companies are addressing these difficult issues, because employees are facing uh, uh, these challenges, uh, in, which might result in isolation and, and depression. So how do you see this uh, issue now, what uh, uh, World Health Organization has, has raised as a, one of the t- top priority in them, how, how can they alleviate this? Yeah, the numbers are quite staggering. Um, depending on the source, um, it's it's above 50 and it can go up to 80, 80% of people being unwell. Um, you can also call it, you know, too stressed or not able to cope. Um, and, and interestingly enough, you know, depression and, and mental health issues are a much bigger problem already at the moment than, for example, cardiovascular diseases and cancer put together. So it's oh, costing yeah. tremendous amounts of money for employers and, and um, also governments. But between, you know, the estimate is between one and six trillion US dollars per year. And and the number That's of sick days, you know, how many people actually die of of ill mental health every year. Uh, in America alone, there was one estimate that said that over 120,000 people die uh, due to stress, work-related stress that has led to mental health issues. Oh, that's, uh, 
that's a <laughs> huge, huge numbers I can imagine. But still, like yeah. uh, according to the Deloitte, uh, they report that eighty percent of, of the organizations consider employee well-being a crucial part of the business strategy, and also uh, a number of companies are are uh, planning to increase their related programs in the coming year. So, from your observation and what you were saying, how sophisticated? are the plans to implementation and training programs related to mental health and stress management in the hospitality industry, for instance? Well, I have a background in um, quality systems and supply chain management. That was my first life. And I, I like a structural approach to things because that's the, the one thing that is, is solid enough. And what I'm seeing in, with many companies is, is also the, this, it's the same thing as with mental health. Um, what, what, is, um, what is workplace well-being? What does it mean? Does it mean an ad hoc course here and there? Does it mean an app? Does it mean um, fruit baskets in the cafeteria? Or free something, you know, for, the, for, for workers who work late nights? So that's, that's also one of the things that has not been very well defined. And there was a very interesting study that came out from uh, University of Oxford very recently. It was published, I think, um, only in January, um, to now like two, two, three weeks ago. And it's, it's, um, the results are quite interesting. They, they studied a lot of these wellness programs. And almost, although not almost, the result was that they, there was almost no change or no ch uh, no change at all among employees as a result of these programs oh that's shocking mm -hmm. but again you know there are programs that are really good but by and large companies don't really have budgets to do programs that would go a little bit more in depth so what ends up happening in the hospitality industry that there's an extra budget for to do some well, workplace well-being. So we are going to invite a consultant to do half a day training program or one day training program. And that's basically supposedly is the wellness, wellness program for the year. And, and it's not being approached in a structured manner. So that's, you know, it cannot yield very big results if, if you do it that way. And, and my recommendation really for companies is to, is to approach it in a very systematic step-by-step Methodolo methodological way and put your uh, money and your efforts into building systems and structures that enable people to be well rather than build ad hoc well-being programs that may not have any impact on the employee well-being. Oh, well, that's great. So could you share some examples of companies that have excellence in implementing programs and have these structures in place or, or that you have been involved in? Because this is, a, of course, a, a significant difference in, in the approach that you are recommending. Yes, there are some really inspirational companies um, that are doing, doing very, very good things. Um, I was recently in a, in a panel with um, Anne Golden from Pan Pacific in London, and uh, we, we discussed employee well-being. They have been, they have some really interesting programs that, uh, and, and they've really gone um, sort of in a different way about it, um, meaning that um, they have four-hour work weeks, for example. They build in flexibility. They have really listened to workers in, in, in what they want 
and what would make a difference for their well-being and mental health. Yeah. So it was very inspirational. And, and one of the things that I, I found very interesting with the, with the discussions that we had with the whole panel was that the younger generation has a healthier approach to work in many ways. It is being criticized by many, but in, in multiple ways, you know, if you want to solve the mental health issue, then you need a better work-life balance. And, and having the, that flexibility, having those short hours actually does increase workplace well-being and your inter, you know, mental health. So they are perhaps wiser than what we were when we were working and, and there was not this flexibility or not even, you didn't even dare to ask. It was just a given and yeah, you just right. did. So maybe there yeah, is something that the whole industry can think and, and think differently about this whole topic. That is not a, yeah. a negative point and the younger generation is a, is, is a problem, but rather this is the reality and maybe they are healthier and we can, if we work together, then we can find solutions that are working for both the company and the employees. Very good. So and could one you, of the, uh, yeah, oh, sorry, there's one company I, I would like to mention in particular is, is TUI. They have, um, they have been, uh, they have built a We, are, we uh, Care Ambassador Program. This started during COVID and uh, with, you know, not a huge budget, just, just creating a peer support for the employees, re recognizing that there was a need for, you know, people who were in isolation. There were all these issues that did happen during COVID. So they built this program and it was, it's, uh, they trained internal people so that they can help their colleagues. And they've, you know, now they are reinforcing the program so that there's more, more, more support for them. And it does make a difference. You don't need a huge budget for doing these things, but you, you know, there's, it's a mindset that really creates a ripple effect. And the company also organized, um, you know, really interesting trainings on, on how to handle, how to deal with loneliness, how to deal with depression, grief, um, and all this does have an impact on employees because they do understand, they, they feel that the employee actually cares. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's, an, there's a company that uh, uh, some of the large hotel chains like Hilton has a uh, call uh, care for all. And they are addressing, mm -hmm. of course, the, the care for all, for self and care for team and then care for loved ones, which are really thought that was an excellent approach. So, of course, that's a hotel chain, and, of course, they have uh, yeah. thought about that. So what are your thoughts about how, how they're on their, their approach about this, where they cover not only the, the sales, but the, the team, and but then also the loved ones? I think it's a really wonderful approach. And, and yeah, indeed, um, I think some of the American chain chains are a little bit more advanced in this sense. It is a holistic whole. And if you look at it from, you know, you um, you have to look at the, the situation from three perspectives. There is the organizational thing, which the structures and, and systems that I'm, you know, that you need to have in place. But once when you have that in place, then you can go more into the self-care and, um, and what's actually, there's more psychology and it's more our biology, our need to connect with others. And this is where yeah. your colleagues come into, into play, your family, your friends. And family and friends are 
very important. This is a research, research, uh, there's a lot of research out there. Uh, family is very important for millennials and Gen Zs, family and friends. So it's not only work, they want more. And these holistic programs actually yield the best results. Because then it has the organization takes its responsibility and individuals also have to take a risk take their responsibility. I mean, companies should not be data centers and companies should not be in charge of all the well-being of their employees. Employees, we all individually have to take care of our mental well-being also. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, in organization, I, I remember from the years I was working in, in hotel operations and so on, you have a general manager who has some good intentions and delegate it to the human resources manager to implement the program. Uh, checks maybe once a month, well, how's it going? Uh, maybe are not directly uh, in touch of what are the some issues. Some many are, of course. And then you have the middle management who are have to deal with the actually in, in they are in the front line with the employees who are who, who have some issues. What is the role of that middle management, if you will, or even the, what's the role of the top leadership? What they could do better if they are, have not been in touch and in, 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 in touch enough with this program to make it sure it works. Yeah. Well, like with any program, you know, it has to come from the top management because if it doesn't, it doesn't make much of a difference. Employees will know. And if it's just delegated to HR, um, you know, it often remains uh, one of those wellness well-being programs. Despite of very good intentions, it doesn't doesn't have the doesn't doesn't carry to all parts of the organization because there might be a pushback. And you know, people in the hospitality industry they are very busy. There are they have multiple challenges. It's it's not that they can only take care of the well-being. They also have job to do, and they have to take care of the clients and so on. So, so you have to find a strike a balance. But C-suit support and, and really the CEO's involvement is, is crucial. And um, yeah, I think uh, you, cannot, you cannot avoid that. Middle management is, is perhaps the most important one to train. This also is a recommendation from the WHO and ILO and, and, and many, of these, uh, many of these frameworks that are out there that train your middle managers because they often, they are so crucial in keeping people well. They are also in touch with what's going on in the ground uh, and they can intervene at much earlier stage. So when there are people who are really unwell, they, it's easier when you can build those structures. And oftentimes middle managers just feel that they don't have the tools. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle the situations. And it's not really very complicated, but it, it is a skill that you learn and we, d we don't become um, automatically very good with taking care of other people's mental health or supporting them. It's something that has to, you know, has to, has to be trained for them, for most people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, what I liked about your, your comment about the younger generation's expectations in, uh, in what ways are the organizations adapting? to those changing expectations. You mentioned about the example uh, from in, in London, uh, and you touched on that. Uh, there must be some care and flexibility that are maybe one of the key, key words that you have to make sure that you are considering those things. And uh, because the younger generation have, have expectations and, and uh, 
uh, are there some just some some practical uh, tips for a hotel that say, oh, okay, that sounds good. We need to do something that you could, <laughs> that you. Could, it's not the band aid, but there should be something that they should uh, structure themselves to do, because they're hiring young people uh, all the time, and the biggest challenge is that uh, uh, to is the recruitment, and uh, mm -hmm. if the person doesn't, uh, they're they're not willing to put up with something which doesn't fit. Their, their uh, expectations. They will. They just say they leave, and they don't even say why they left. So that's a very important advice that you can, tip you can give to anyone who any hotel that is now have to look at themselves in the mirror. Right. Uh, <laughs> this is an interesting one because you know attraction and retention is um, according to an Eon study last year. It's the fourth biggest business risk that companies have. So it's an actual business risk and companies, uh, hospitality industry companies could approach more from a risk management perspective. Um, and while it's really a big, big issue all over the world, this was, this study included 61 countries. Um, only 11% of companies say that they have quantified those risks. So if you go back into that, that systematic approach that I mentioned, that I, for example, use and I colleagues on my news, then you do have, you, you go more into the risk management part at the beginning. And you map them and you include the young people. So going back to your question, the young people actually, what they want, they want to be involved. They want to, you know, they, they the daily work doesn't define them. We want to have work-life balance. It's, it's just a given. They're also not as committed, and that's a fact that organizations have to work with. Um, most of the Gen Zers, half of them in a, in a recent survey by Deloitte, said that they would leave within the next two, two years. So it's, it's a mentality and it's a mindset that just is there and, and companies have to build into their attraction, talent attraction and, and retention systems. However, the way to avoid people from leaving is really think about, you know, the meaning and the values, because that is the most important thing for the younger generation. Is my job meaningful? And you can build it in, you know, when you, when you are working in a hotel and, uh, or in a home, any, any kind of hospitality industry in this, uh, organization, oftentimes people are disconnected. You just do your one thing and you don't even know what's going on in other parts of, let's say, a hotel. So you don't make the connection if you are a housekeeper. You don't make the connection with the clients necessarily, or you, uh, or if you work in the kitchen. And and by having having people involved and and, and rotating people or having them and be mentored by people from other departments, you can you can find very interesting synergies and people find more meaning in what they actually do. Plus that they learn yeah. new skills. Yeah. Exactly. Just reminds me of an example uh, in a hotel, which I thought was so brilliant. And, uh, and I thought that I should have thought about it myself. Uh, there is a crew in the nighttime that is kitchen, cleaning the kitchens. They're called night stewards. They never see hotel guests. And they don't right. see the, their colleagues even in, uh, after their work. Basically, their job is to just make sure that the kitchen is spotless and clean when the breakfast, co breakfast cooks co come in. So the approach of this general manager is to invite those 
staff to be being at the, at the breakfast service themselves, to actually have a chance to meet uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, who is uh, don't know how clean the kitchen is, but also how, how, what is the result of the hard work uh, that the kitchen steward or the cleaner has had during the night time. So they want to see that the, they appreciate it, or, or maybe the smiling faces of, of the of the guest, and the result has been that this has been a huge motivational thing for those staff that they feel that they are also appreciated in a different way. Because uh, a practical example, I in my one time in my career, I was a night steward as part of my training, and I know it was a thing. It was a job that uh, uh, they, they tested you whether you are willing to put up with it. That was so in order to be <laughs> successful in the hotel business that you're, you're, if you're putting up with this, then you can put up with everything. So I thought that's a brilliant idea uh, of uh, that, what I saw, thought about, the, but the, the, the manager was thinking about his staff and also the, the guests enjoyed it. And there was actually the, the fun part. So it was, it was like a mutual benefit for both, all of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a wonderful example of it. Yes. Yes. And, and hotels tend to be very hierarchical. So there's the, the, uh, and, and that is not going down that well in today's, among, with the today's younger generation. So you're not allowed to do things. So you, you're not, you know, that this whole thing, like you're just, you're just the cleaning the kitchen. The mentality is, is, needs to change. And I think that it's changing with the, when younger managers come into play, but there's a little bit of the legacy of the old hierarchical hierarchical system that, that was there. Yeah. Sure and, and the younger generation also, you know, it's, it's um, um, the main reason really for leaving is that the work is not meaningful. So companies, that is something that absolutely needs to be kept in mind because it's not so much the pay. You often hear in the hospitality industry that the, oh no, the industry doesn't pay well. Well, it might not be the best paying industry, but the reasons why people leave isn't always the pay. And uh, flexibility and the reduced work hours, um, having meaningful connections, all those things matter in attracting and retaining uh, talent. And something that companies in any industry actually would do well is to be honest in their recruitment. There can be this desire to paint a nicer picture of the job, of the company, of the challenges of the job. When you're trying to recruit and you can't get people on board. So the little you get on board, you, you may embellish the, the situation or the work, actual work a little bit. But it will backfire eventually. Because when people, people come in and they see the, the reality, they are not prepared for it. And then their turnover rates usually are higher. Yeah. Yeah, the sign of a successful hotel, besides the uh, the staff attention, is that uh, if you're coming going to that hotel for maybe a few years, you are, you are seeing a same employee, and also that they recognize you, and that's what creates this reason why you want to go back. It's not because of the uh, the afternoon tea was such excellence; it's just that uh, attention from the staff. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and I was recently in. in um, in an intercontinental hotel in one of the European countries. And I, I spoke with the concierge 
And I, I'm always curious. I ask of people, you know, how long they've been in the, with the company and, you know, what's what, what are their expectations for the career. And then, you know, just chatting, chatting very, very, you know, really, really nice person. And this, uh, this person had been uh, in, in that same job for the past 15 years, mm-hmm. which is impressive. And so I asked the reasons why, and, and it was cloud and clear. He was treated well by his manager and they had a wonderful team that was working well together and was, was covering for each other. And, and they had a real camaraderie among the, the concierges there and, and in, the, in, the, in the, the front office. And that's why he stayed. And he said, I could get a better, better pay. I could get a, maybe a better job with the competitor, but I don't want to move. And this is a wonderful example mm. of how small things matter. Yeah. Great example. And, and also, yeah. also an example of why we need, we, we need more of this connection with people. The hospitality in industry is so well placed to have connections with people. I mean, you understand client, client connection and the importance of creating, creating uh, an experience. So why not take that also to, to the back of the hotel and using the same principles that you use with clients, with your employees? That's right. Mm. Very good. I think I hope uh, all the listeners are taking some notes here because you're getting some gold nuggets here shared by Susanna. <laughs> yeah. Oh, such an interesting discussion here. I'm... Uh, I'm getting uh, very excited about this uh, topic and uh, what you, you are sharing. I think uh, we could continue the discussion on, on, on this topic, but I want to just quickly address the loneliness and mental uh, health issue. Uh, could you share some specific strategies for hotels and companies to consider maybe some practical ideas to address the loneliness and mental health issues, because especially on in light because of the irregular working hours and and that uh, makes people quite isolated. And you know you have these uh, we mentioned the night cleanup. Uh, the other is night audit, or there might be some hours that uh, that uh, they don't see anyone. So just uh, any any further thoughts you have you want to share in in this episode. Mm. Well, this goes back to, you know, connection as a biological need. When it comes to mental health, we have, our biology has certain needs. And one of the basic needs that we have is to connect with other people. Of course, we may have our reasons for selecting a job where we are doing a night shift. Could be financial reasons, could be because we're just going through a phase in our lives that we don't want to see people. There are multiple, multiple reasons for that. But I think that one of the, one of the, for companies, it's important to understand that this is an issue. And in the long term, if people are always alone, always in an isolation, that will have consequences. It will have consequences on their well-being. It may have consequences or increase substance abuse issues and so on and so forth. So being mindful of it, connecting with these people, making sure that there are touch points, regular touch points, um, encouraging connection, those are, those are extremely important. And, um, you know, it's also the, this whole awareness part that makes the biggest difference. 
how many people do we have in our company that are doing these types of jobs? How many of them are in isolation? And how can we, in, in our context, how can we bring these, these people together? Uh, loneliness in itself is not a, not a problem. And some people really like, prefer, prefer to work alone. But if it's, if, so, so um, I said that it's a biological need. Yes, it is a biological need. We cannot be all in isolation. But there are also people that don't need other people around them all the time. So it's a, it's a matter of finding that balance and making sure that right people are in right positions. Yeah, very, very good. Very good. So uh, thank you, Susanna. This has been a, a great episode. And just have one more question for you before we wrap up. Uh, if people are interested to find out more about uh, what you do, uh, InnerWork CH, uh, how can they do so? Where can they locate you? They can go to my website, which is innerwork.world. And uh, I, I can also be found on LinkedIn with just by typing in my name. Very good. So for all the uh, listeners and the viewers, uh, please put in your comments, any question that you have. We'll make sure that Susanna uh, receives them. And because this is a quite an interesting topic and I'm sure that uh, uh, you don't feel that you are the only one that has a certain issue in your hotel. Uh, uh, everyone has some issues and I think these are, are good to bring up to the surface and see how we can develop a discussion and uh, LinkedIn has discussion forums where it can be uh, discussed so uh, I really encourage you to do that. But so finally, uh, thank you very much Susanna. I, I really appreciate that you have joined us today and thanks for all the fantastic insight. Thanks for joining us this week on the Social Hotelier Show. Make sure to visit our website, b8bhospitality.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes or Spotify, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we appreciate rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.